Will you turn with me in your Bibles or your bulletins and the book of John, Gospel of John, we are reading today verses, chapter 12, verses 27 through 36, as we continue our study of this book together. Um, so we're in John chapter 12, verses 27 through 36. This is the word of God. Now is my soul trouble. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice was this voice has come for your sake, no mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by why kind of by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little, long, for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where is he going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you might become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us the great privilege of hearing your voice speaking to us directly as we read your word. But also we thank you that you have promised to give us your spirit to open the eyes of our hearts to be able to understand and discern spiritual things. So, Lord, we pray this afternoon that as we consider these verses, as we think about what you are saying about yourself here, what you are revealing about yourself, Lord Jesus, that you may, may help us, Lord, to, to understand. We pray, Lord, that you may minister to our lives and that you may help us, Lord, to appreciate your kingdom here on earth that you have established with your first coming. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a, 
line of theology that has been around for a while already, um, known for some people or by some people as prosperity gospel or the health and wealth gospel. Um, And the focus is to teach people that uh, if you give to God more, he will bless you more. If you offer to God more, he will give you health, he will keep you healthy, and make you wealthy. And there are many problems with, with that theology, starting with the fact that it's not biblical, but just the fact that you have to uh, think that you are trying to negotiate with God, God's blessing is a demonstration that it is no a biblical theology. But one of the problems that this theology has is that is um, encouraging people to think about a kingdom of God here on earth, a physical kingdom where God is going to bless you with wealth and remove all the problems that you have in this current life. I think that the main problem that this theology have is that it's uh, selling you a false gospel. It's selling you a gospel that is not as great as the gospel that our Lord Jesus Christ came to bring to us. The good news that Jesus Christ came to proclaim to people. And when we think about the, the, the things that the people of Israel were expecting from the Messiah that was to come, you can see that it's not so different to what some people expect today in those churches and those movements. I'm not saying that people in Israel were thinking about a gospel of health and wealth, but yet you could see that they were looking for a Messiah that will solve all their uh, physical problems, especially to spell out the kingdom that was oppressing them and also uh, solving some of the problems that they were facing here on earth. We see an example of that when Jesus multiplied the bread and the fishes and what happened is that immediately people wanted to make Jesus a king. But Jesus right away withdraw from them and they followed Jesus to wherever he was and Jesus confronted them and told them, you are only looking for me because you ate the food that I gave you. And Jesus pointed to think about food that is eternal. There he was giving them a hymn, a clue that his kingdom was more than what they were expecting more than what they were looking for. Jesus had something better for them. Um, A couple of weeks ago, then, we look at, uh, in John chapter 12, verse 12 ahead, what is titled as the triumphal entry of Jesus. And there, we also see that people... uh, recognize that the Messiah, the King of Israel, had come... And they were praising him. They were uh, blessing Jesus. They were excited that Jesus had come. But again, 
They didn't understand why he came and what kind of kingdom he came to establish. Therefore, what Jesus does or did when we read these verses was to explain to them that he didn't come to establish the kind of kingdom that they were expecting. In fact, that Messiah will have to die. We as Christians understand that his it's a triumphal entry when he comes into Jerusalem because he defeats evil, Satan, and sin on the cross. But for the Jews, for the Israelites, for the religious leaders, that was actually a stumbling block. They didn't see a king that defeated anything on the cross, but a king that was defeated. And for the Greeks, was also foolishness. It was no something that resembled anything that was victory. Then Jesus, again, in these verses, as you remember, uh, when we read, he's explaining to them that Jesus had to die in order to bear much fruit. And that those who will follow him will actually have to hate their life in this world. Very different to what they were expecting. Again, they were expecting a different kind of king and a different kind of kingdom. And when we continue to read in these verses, I believe that Jesus continued to, to reveal himself to them, to reveal to them the kind of kingdom he came to establish. And it's very relevant for us until today because since that moment, Jesus indeed established his kingdom on earth. So there are three things on these verses that I believe Jesus is revealing about himself. These three things are Jesus the man, Jesus the judge, and Jesus the light. Jesus the man, Jesus the judge, and Jesus the light. I believe that what Jesus does in verse 27 is that he opened a window for us into his heart, into what was going on in his heart. He says, now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Some people have interpreted these questions or this question to be a rhetorical question. Like what Paul does often when he says, what shall we say? That we should do this or that? As if Jesus is just trying to make a point right now. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. And then he's going to say, no, you know that that's not the truth. He will say right away, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Some people have think that that's what Jesus is doing here. He's just trying to make a point. Others read this as if Jesus is praying to God and he is really trying to decide what to do, what to, to ask God, as if he doesn't know what to ask from God in this difficult hour. By the way, when we talk about the hour, the hour we're referring to the moment when Jesus Christ will go to the cross. That's the hour that has come when Jesus 
talk about the hour that has come is referring to that moment when he will go to the cross and die for our sins. Now, I believe that what Jesus does in these verses or in these words is that he is sharing with us what's going on in his heart. He is opening his heart to us, to his audience at that moment, but also to us today. I think that he does something that sometimes we don't feel comfortable doing with others. Especially when you are a person who um, exercise some leadership or help others or guide others or teach others. Sometimes you are not so willing to tell them that you are yourself struggling because people are expecting that that leader um, will be perfect. We don't, will not have any problems. But Jesus here is setting an example for us. Part of what he's doing, I think he's setting an example for us, but also he is opening his heart for us. Think about this. He could have thought about this and not even say it. This could have stayed in his mind and his heart. But he wanted to share this so we could hear it. And here, Jesus is speaking about the tension in his heart as a human being because he was 100% man and what he was about to suffer on the cross. Why do I believe that this is what is happening here and know that Jesus is just uh, saying a rhetorical question and just making a point and teaching something? It is because he says that his heart or his soul is troubled. Otherwise, he would have started by saying, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. But no, he, he opens here saying that his soul is troubled. And this is very close to what we see Jesus saying at the Garden of Gethsemane when he struggled as well. Mark 12, verses 34 and 36 says like this, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. That's how Jesus fell. Verse 36, and going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour may pass. Again, referring to the hour that Jesus will go to the cross and die on the cross from him and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet know what I will, but what you will. This is very similar to what Jesus is saying here. He is expressing, he's communicating how difficult this was for him. And I think that this was important because it, it reminds us that what Jesus had to go through in going to the cross, it was no one easy thing. There was a lot of physical suffering involved in going to the cross, but especially there was a lot of spiritual suffering as he had to bear our sins on the cross. Therefore, Jesus 
with great humility, share with us this tension. But here, it is also very clear, as it was in Mark in Gethsemane, when we read in Mark in Gethsemane, that it is not that Jesus was having second thoughts on doing God's will or not. God's will, the Father's will, and Jesus' will was the same. He didn't have doubts. But there was a tension. Therefore, he, right away, after expressing how he felt in going to the cross, he made clear that his disciples and us, who are his disciples, understand that he knew that he had come for this purpose. I have come to this hour. Why did Jesus come to earth? A very simple question that most of the Christians will know the answer right away. In fact, my son kept asking me every day, why did Jesus go to the cross? Why did Jesus go to the cross? And I keep repeating the same answer, hoping that he actually understands. He came to die. That's why he came. He came to die on the cross. So you and I, by believing in him, could be saved and have eternal life. He knew that from the beginning, before the foundation of the world, Jesus knew that he was coming to die on the cross. He had no doubts, but it was painful. And it was important that we knew that but it also was important that, that, that we know that he also understand our pain and our suffering because he went through it himself. And what would be the end result of Jesus going to the cross is what Jesus said here, Father, glorify your name. That more glory will come or will be manifested about God. It is not about us being saved. Yes, Jesus Christ came to save us. But it is for the glory of God. You and I are saved so God receives more glory for his grace, for his mercy, for his compassion, for his sovereignty. That he is almighty. That all things are in control in his hands. All these things are displayed in God's perfect plan of salvation. Therefore, Jesus going to the cross brought glory to God the Father. And think about this. That's why it is a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness for the Gentiles. They could not see that a Messiah on the cross dying meant victory. That's what Jesus is explaining to them. I came for that purpose. Then a voice came from heaven. It's the voice of the Father says, I, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. You have seen my glory. The closest instant when people saw it was Lazarus' resurrection. But if you look at the history of humanity, the Old Testament is full of God's glory. 
It's pointing to the glorious God that we have. But it says, I will glorify the game at the cross. The glory of God, his might, his power, that he is God will be displayed. Jesus again revealed to us that he was 100% man. But also that he came to give God all the glory. He also reveals to us in these verses that he came as the judge of the world. The crowd stood there and heard it said that he had thunder. Others said an angel had, has spoken to him. Think about this. Why some heard thunder and others heard a voice? Why some believed and others don't believe? Why some saw the glory of Christ in the resurrection of Lazarus and others saw that as a reason for executing Jesus, for killing Jesus? You see right away their responses to the glory of God. As there will be different responses to Jesus being crucified on the cross, some will believe and will see him as their Savior and will love Jesus because he gave their, his life for them and others ended hating Jesus. And Jesus said to them, this voice has no come, this voice has come for your sake, no mine. In other words, I didn't need encouragement here. I wasn't having doubts, and therefore I needed some encouragement here. This voice was so that you will understand that this is part of God's plan. That you will understand that it is God who is above all these things he is doing it. And then he says, now is the judgment of this world. The cross. Jesus going to the cross means judgment to this world. Why? Because if you believe in Jesus at the final day when Jesus Christ will come back again, if you believe that Jesus on the cross died for your sins, you will be saved and have eternal life. You will be declared as just, justified, because of what he did on the cross. His righteousness, his perfection will be transferred to your account. God the Father will see you as righteous. And your sins are transferred to Jesus on the cross. You are justified by what Christ did on the cross. The hour that came was the judgment coming to the world. And a proof of that is that the enemy, which is Satan, not the Romans, not the empires of this world, the real enemy, Satan, will be cast out of this world. 
And you see that an example of that. People wonder, how is it that the kingdom of God was established with the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? We still see the church persecuted, yes. But you see that from that moment, only one nation of the world followed God in Israel. And from that moment, there is an explosion around the world. Until this moment, today... We have here representatives of different nations of the world who have, heard, who have heard the gospel because the kingdom of God was established with Jesus' first coming. And the ruler of this world, which is also described in Ephesians chapter 2, is cast out. The prince of the power of the air, the one who uh, keep captive people in the world, are no, is not able to do it anymore with those the God of this earth and heaven have called to be his people. When is that, or when does that happen? It happened when he says, and lifted up, and lifted up on the cross. John, the evangelist, made sure that we understand what he meant by that. Otherwise, we will not know, or maybe we'll guess understanding through other parts of the Bible. But John says he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Verse 33. It is at the cross, when he is lifted up, that Satan is destroyed. Was that what the Israelites were expecting? Certainly no. They were expecting a king that would not come in a donkey, but in a horse and with a big army to destroy the Israelites' enemies. But Jesus was coming to destroy the enemy, not only of the Israelites, but the enemy of the whole world, the nations. Satan, sin, death. All of them destroyed when he's lifted up on the cross but also when he's raised from the dead. And when he ascended and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So Jesus, again, is revealing himself in these verses to be the judge. It is something that it was a mystery being revealed. A mystery hidden for, by, for ages by being revealed at that moment when Christ appeared and died on the cross. But Jesus also revealed himself to be the light of the world. People lived in darkness, and people were still confused. So the crowd, verse 34, answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? What did they understand? Probably they understood that Jesus was referring to his death or that he will be taken away from them and they were expecting that that Messiah that will be like Israel, like, like uh, David, will come to be the ruler of Israel forever. But think about this. They were thinking about an earthly kingdom, and if he was the king forever, did they believe that they would stay there forever on earth as Israel, as a nation? 
Who is this son of man? Who is the Messiah? Who is the Savior? And Jesus explained to them how they will know who is the son of man. The light is among you. Who is the light? Jesus. Jesus is among you. If you want to know who is he, if you want to have light to see the truth of the gospel and understand the Old Testament, what it means for the Messiah to come and save you, you have to look at the light that is among you and it's for a little while longer because he was on the way to the cross one more week and he will die. Walk while you have light, lest darkness overtake you. You have time. When is your time? Your time is what you have life, where you have light, and when you have life. Because there is a moment when there is no more time, not only when Jesus Christ will die, because even when Jesus Christ died and, and is raised, they could still, if they are alive, trust in him and be saved. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. The only way you know that Jesus is the king and that you know why you are here and where you are going is through the word of God. But the only way you know that and believe that and understand that is by doing what Jesus is about to tell you here. When you have light, he says, believe in the light. And who is the light? Jesus. What opens the eyes of people to see the truth of the gospel and who, he, Jesus, who Jesus is, is faith in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, he's saying you will see that I am the king, that I am the light, that I am your savior. But if you do not believe in the light, you will stay in darkness. Same words Jesus said to Nicodemus, you have to be born again in order to see the kingdom of God and to enter the kingdom of God. And to be born again is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in, in your heart that empowers you to see Jesus for who he is. Remember, many souls, Lazarus, being raised, but not everybody gave Christ the glory. The Pharisees, in fact, were going to the blind man, telling him, give glory to God, saying, do not give the glory to Jesus. Why? Because they did not believe in Jesus. What makes the difference is faith in Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus, you are able to see the kingdom of God on earth. But if you have no faith in Jesus... You will not be able to see what Christ has done, is doing, and will do forever. We see here again Jesus revealing himself to them, but he's revealing himself to us. If you have trusted in Jesus, if you have belief in the light, 
There is no judgment for you because Christ paid it all. On the cross, you are saved through faith. Know your own doing. It is a gift from God. It is the blessing that God has given to you. Not because you deserve it, but because Christ in his mercy has loved you and he has reached out to you. This week I heard about this uh, influencer on internet who has struggled with cancer for many years. Um, uh, he have had, I don't know, maybe about 10 surgeries and finally he was saying or saying goodbye to his followers, saying that cancer has come back. But he said some words that, in a sense, were more sad than his own life experience, which is, he said, I'm ready to meet my maker, God, because I know I deserve it. I have loved much. I have enjoy life, and I have been a good person to others. Therefore, I deserved to meet God. Though I was sad because of his life experience, I was even more sad because he believed that he was ready to meet God because he deserved it. And the truth is, is that you and I, none of us deserved to meet God at the end. It is only through believing in the light, in Jesus, that at the final day, you and I will be counted as righteous before God. Therefore, if you have belief, remember it's not your own doing. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. But if you have no belief yet, it is a challenge for you today that you might believe in the light, that you might believe in Jesus, and therefore you may have eternal life as well. And I believe that this is the prayer of all of us here who are Christians for your life, that you might come to faith and trust in Jesus as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, grace, love, compassion, that you even open, Lord Jesus, your heart to share with us how painful it was for you to go to the cross as a reminder of how much you loved us and how committed you were to save us and to glorify God by doing it. We thank you, Lord. And we have no enough words to thank you for what you have done to save us and give us eternal life. But we do pray together for anyone who have heard your word today that they might come to faith as well, trust in you, and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.